everybody, Greg here from the Craft Beer Republic, out on a field trip today doing some very important beer research. I am at Topa Topa Brewing's HQ over here on Colt Street in Ventura. I'm being joined by Jack Dyer, the founder and CEO. Jack, thanks for hanging out with us. Thanks for being here, Greg. It should be a fun morning. Yeah, you know, uh, you guys just celebrated six years, right? That's true. It's yep. super exciting. I remember the first time I had Topa, I was at a pizza joint. I was like, what is this Chief Peak? <laughs> and tried it, loved it, and we've been uh, fanboying over Topa ever since, probably about five years ago. So very excited. Cool. It's great to have you here, and uh, we appreciate the support from those early days. And, uh, yeah, Chief Peak is Chief Peak's a winner. We, yeah. we love that beer. It's nice that, uh, at least locally here in Ventura County, I mean, wherever I go, Trader Joe's, get it in cans. It's like, hey, we need some beer to take over to so-and-so's house. Yeah. Trader Joe's, Chief yeah. Peak, get it. So that's, that's always nice when you get to distribute. We have a lot of beer to get through, yes. which I'm very excited about. We have uh, eight tasters lined up that we're going to talk about. Uh, before we dig into one of those, I want to start off with you and your history as a beer drinker. Sure. Where did it all begin? Uh, I grew up in, in New Jersey. Oh. Uh, I was uh, fortunate to be around what I guess is today the, the largest craft brewery in the country, Yingling. Oh, yeah. um, so I think even at an early beer drinking age, uh, don't tell my parents, it was probably before <laughs> I was 21, um, I picked up a flavor for at least a little bit of an alternative to the big boys. Yeah, I think at that early age, I was always searching for just something a little bit more. Um, sure. And I'm getting up there in years now, so that was that was some time ago. And uh, for my beer journey, kind of then transitioned, I went to college in the South and even then, while they were macro-produced, I was my, my my roommates in college always knew me as the guy who was going to pick like you know the Newcastle or something. Oh, yeah. And and then uh, there Not was Natty Ice. <laughs> yeah, there was a small brew pub in the town uh, that I that I went to called like I think it was called A One A Brewery, and um, used to always go there once I was twenty one and allowed to. So that was fun. I spent some time in Australia, did a lot of beer drinking there, and then really what when when my eyes really opened up is when I moved to California. Um, I started my California time in San Francisco uh, that had 21st Amendment uh, going. Obviously, Sierra Nevada was a staple on our trips, camping and hiking and getting outside and up to Tahoe to ski. Then I moved down to San Diego, and that's when the real dream of Topo was born. Um, Those early days of Alpine Brewing, doing the the pilgrimage out there to get Mm -hmm. Nelson and... Uh, even at that time, Sculpin from and Ballast Point was oh, just kind of day, yeah. back in the day when they were still small and and, uh, and before they and were Jolly fun. Ranchers. Yeah, <laughs> but so that's really where it all. I cut my teeth really on on the industry down there and got a, got into home brewing. Um, and yeah, that's kind of where the, the the story of Topo was born. So you got in on those, I mean, just teeth shattering West Coast IPAs. Yeah, I think at my wedding, which was in San Diego, we served Thirtieth Street Pale Ale from. <laughs> Um, from Green Flash when Chuck was still brewing there, and that was a bitter beer. <laughs> I, I love yeah. the evolution of where it's gone now, but yeah, yeah. I think that that time I, I can remember lining up at Encinitas Ale House for Pallet Wrecker and thinking that was like the coolest thing. Um, that became just a race to the bottom, and, and uh, right. we saw where that ended. But uh, but yeah, San Diego was was great, and even in my my seven or eight years there, the evolution of that beer scene. Um, you know, Pizza Port Swami's was always one of my oh, favorite so beers. It still is one of my favorite beers. Mm-hmm. And um, but seeing the evolution with the society coming out and and uh, you know this new new uh, push of, of new blood in, in in the beer scene there, mm-hmm. uh, really focusing on hop flavor and less hop bitterness, and that's um, that's the style that, that we love here at Topa. Yeah, balancing is nice. Balance is key. I yeah. think to to everything. You know, not, not not only beer; it's key to life. So we try and try and run that on both sides of the company here at Topa. Yeah, there was a. There was a time and place for those super hoppy 100 plus IBUs, yep. but I, I enjoy where it's gone now. Even on the West Coast side of things, it's still it's clear like yeah. it's always been, but yeah. it's not so insane. Absolutely, we've even we've even dropped IBUs from our descriptors on our menus and those types of things because we kind of don't we don't think uh, like that race to the bottom of the, making the bitterest beer possible is great. Yeah, we like balance, so. Um, you know, it's in there and our staff know what the IBU counts are on them, but it's not something we try and advertise out to the world. Well, and it used to be able to get an idea of a beer by the IBU count mm-hmm. because, oh, this thing has, you know, 65 IBUs. You're about to know where the where yep. the hop flavor is going to be in that. But yep. now the hops are so late in the additions yep. and you, it doesn't mean anything yeah, anymore. Exactly. So, exactly. So. Uh, well, speaking of beers and hops... Why don't we dig into our first one? Yeah, absolutely. Where so should we start? Uh, we're going to start here with, uh, it's called Tie Dye in the Sky. Okay. And this is a, we're calling it a Tasmanian Pilsner. 
Um, it came out of our brewer series uh, done by our lead brewer, Justin, and um, really fantastic beer, very simplified malt bill. Um, and then we used two uh, really fun hops grown out of Tasmania. Ella is one of them. It's it's our brewmaster's favorite beer. Mm. He loved it so much he named his dog um, <laughs> after it. So And then the other one's Enigma uh, in it. Oh, yeah. So just got some really fun uh, flavors to it. And we've all really kind of fallen in love with the expression of hops in, um, in Pilsners and Lagers. And uh, we do a couple of them uh, here throughout the year, and it's just become a different way to kind mm-hmm. of express our, our love affair with hops yeah. um, that is a little bit more palatable. So, yeah, this one you can drink all day. It's really nice. Yeah, so. it's it's super cr- – in fact, it's it's delishable, uh, yeah. crushable and delicious. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get that citrus, and it finishes up nice and dank and really cleans it up, leave you wanting more. Yeah, it's, it's fantastic. And, um, you know, on our new brew house here from where we first started – brew house here is really it loves when we brew a lager it's like it's it's very happy and uh, <laughs> and so it's it's built it's a german brew house so it's built for this and uh fills its soul yeah yeah so then we do a nice dry hop addition on this the hops are all late so it does it has a little bit of that bitterness but um not not a lot it's this is a crushable beer and yeah and we kind of use this brewer series as you know a, a way to explore and to have fun and and then since we do have five taproom outlets, it's a good way for us to, you know, if anything does really well or we really like it, it can then graduate up into a seasonal or, or you know, someday maybe into a core brand. Um, yeah. So it's kind of our, our proving ground. That's cool. Mm-hmm. And if it does good enough, do you eventually can it and distribute it? Or Yeah, so that actually happened on one of, uh, one of our releases that was a, a release in our 16-ounce um, 16 ounce monthly release. We do, we do 12 of, of them a year. Uh, we release a 16 ounce brand on, uh, on drafted in cans and one did so well. Uh, we've made it twice that it's now graduating and it's going to be part of our seasonal portfolio. So oh, we'll awesome. get, we'll get three or four months of it, uh, really which would cool. be pretty fun. And that'll go into a 12 ounce can and kind of fit into our core branding kind of setup. So you might see that on, on the shelf at Trader Joe's sometime nice. soon. Which one is that? Uh, that's KQ Express. Okay. I don't think mm-hmm. I've had that one. It's a hoppy rice lager and it's oh, nice. fantastic. Brewed by Justin as well. This, the part of his, uh, his brewer series was that. So he's, He's hitting it, hitting it strong with these lagers. Sounds like so. a good uh, sushi beer. Yes, and it's incredible with tuna. Nice. Yeah. Uh, what was, before opening up Topa, we'll get into some Topa history now. What was your day job before Topa? Uh, so my first job out of college, I was a third grade teacher. Okay. And um, I did a student internship, student teaching internship, and then picked up a short maternity leave and, and did that. <laughs> I went home to New Jersey to uh, bartend and, and, or I'm sorry, lifeguard and, and wait tables um, for the summer. And I fully thought I was going to be a school teacher forever. And I was applying for teaching jobs all over the country and in some cool spots, um, that I wanted to move to during that time. I I got approached uh, by a beach patron who owned a company and he's just like, he also went to the restaurant. So he saw me working all day and then working all night too. And he was just like, you should send me your resume. And I didn't really know what he was in charge of, but he turned out to be a CEO of a fairly large company and, and put me in a role uh, selling electronic billing platforms to colleges and universities. Okay. And I kind of stuck it out in that career in the student loan and, and electronic billing platform area for a number of years, um, had a good solid career going. And then that same individual left the company and started his own startup. And he brought me and a handful of people with him and um, did that for a little while and just kind of timed out. And it was, yeah. it was time to do something on my own. And uh, at that point, I was living in San Diego. Was really in love with the beer culture, and had started a thing called a, a brew op. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Yeah, so that that was in San Diego. We started. We took the co-op concept and applied it to beer, and produced a beer a month, distributed it to all the members uh, who were friends of ours, and um, that's where I really fell in love with the, both both the craft of making something, and possibly for me in particular, was really just the community that you can build around mm-hmm. such a great beverage and the friends you can make, the conversations you can have. And, and uh, so, so that was really kind of where the foundation of Topa started. So mm-hmm. were you just brewing in your garage and then... We were brewing in my friend them? Charles' garage. And <laughs> um, no, so the co-op concept was basically like all, all the members, I think it was about 25 of us, uh-huh. put in a few hundred bucks. We bought a really fairly sophisticated homebrew kit okay. um, on a large scale. I think it was about 100 gallons or oh. 200 gallons. It was pretty big um, for homebrew. And uh, yeah, we'd produce the, produce the beer and everyone would get their distri- distribution and 
it was super fun. And um, so, yeah, th- luckily, Charles' wife was very nice and let us go do that every Sunday. <laughs> Take yeah. over her garage. Take over her garage for a few hours. So, um, yeah, so it, I really learned a lot about the process there. But, again, for me, it, it was very quickly became more about transitioning my career and, mm-hmm. and, and doing something that I loved and, and could build a community around. Yeah, that's really cool. I've, I've never heard of a, a homebrew co-op. I yeah, like that. Yeah. Um, and then you... You founded Topa with Kyle and Casey. Mm-hmm. How did they come into the picture? Were they part of the, the brew op? Or? Yeah, so Kyle, uh, one of the original partners, who's um, he's actually no longer a partner in, in Topa, just wanted to pursue some other things mm-hmm. and um, spend some time with the fam, which you don't get to do a lot of when you start a brewery. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Kyle and his wife, Kate, Kate went to college with my wife, Kelly. Oh. And so that's how I knew him. And uh, Casey came into the picture as I was actually trying to plan a, a, a brewery project in San Diego. Mm. And uh, from the get-go, I knew I was not the head brewer. And um, <laughs> so we knew we wanted to have a professional brewer join us um, in this venture. Met Casey through mutual friends. Uh, he was a lead brewer at Stone, um, and he was working in kind of their R&D department. Kind of, He had the awesome opportunity to report pretty close into him, directly into Mitch Steele for a while. Mm. And once we met, once I met Casey, I knew he was he was the guy. He, he I think he makes the best beer around. He's also got kind of big manufacturing ideas and yeah. um, and and that skill set, which was was cool. We we didn't really plan to grow as much as we have, but um, he's definitely been the conduit to why we've been able to because uh, he understands how to scale and how to how to how to make us make make our beer just get better and better and better as we grow yeah that's an yeah. important uh, aspect especially the scaling part of it which i'm sure uh working at stone for a while you'll, you'll yeah. pick up uh, on they were they were always scaling so, yeah, yeah. He, he got used to working in a construction site is what he always used to say because <laughs> they were basically always building something while he was there yeah especially back then yep uh all right you want to tell us about the next beer yeah so next one we're gonna stay on the lager train here this is our dos topas nice um I call it, don't call it a Mexican lager, but it's, uh, it's, it's basically our version of a Mexican lager. So, um, yeah, Dos Topas is great, great beer. It's a true lager. This is one of our core brands, so you can see this on the shelf uh, at, at many stores mm-hmm. uh, out there in 12-ounce can. A lot of our beers we design around, like, living in the region and what, what we want a beer for. So this is kind of our beach day beer, out on a boat beer. Yeah. It's just super crisp and clean. We truly lager it, so it does spend plenty of time in the tanks. It's a small adjunct. We use a little bit of flake corn okay. um, in this one uh, to give it a little bit of a more creamier mouthfeel. Um, I love this beer when on a sunny day, and just uh, it's super low ABV, so you can. This is kind of our can crusher. You can you can have a few of these. Yeah, so. this this one I describe as a boat beer. Like you said, we take this one up when we go wakeboarding. Yep, it's perfect to have on the boat. Yeah, you can it, drink them all day, not get trashed. Yep, exactly, and it's. Uh, I think the tasting notes on this or taste buds as we call them are cracker maize and crisp. So it's just got that really crisp finish, mm-hmm. um, super clean. But you do get that little bit of sweetness from the corn yeah, um, that I think comes through. So, yeah, it's a fantastic beer, and we've really seen it do really quite well locally. But then also this beer is kind of killing it in San Diego right oh, now. Oh, really? Our distributor down in Orange County in San Diego has done really well with it. And it's interesting as you grow and expand and get into different markets – you know, obviously, I always want people to buy Chief down there, but right. there's so many good IPAs there that we kind of had to find another way in, and, yeah. and um, Dose is the perfect one. So It makes and, sense in San Diego. I mean, it's the IPA town. A- absolutely. And then you can have this when you're going to the beach all day. And, right. Yeah, so or it's, cleanse the palate after all those IPAs. Yeah, so I, I love this beer. Um, you'll probably hear me say that a bunch through this. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, Dose, Dose has been fun. And um, we think it's it's kind of our playful brand, too, like the can art, uh, the line art on the, on the can is is kind of a nod to Chief Peak, our, our icon for Chief Peak's a hiker, mm-hmm. which is by far and away our best-selling beer. But Dos Topas is kind of when you're, like, taking a break. So there's a guy in a hammock, a person in a hammock. I shouldn't say it's not male or female. It's just <laughs> an individual. It can be anybody. But the, that that individual in the hammock on the Dos can is supposed to be Chief taking a break. So nice. the Chief hiker taking a break. So, um, yeah, it's, it's fun. It's a playful name. The, the name came out. I mean, we didn't want to say Mexican-style lager because we thought that was pretty on the nose. So we thought yeah. Dos Topas is a fun, playful way to, to get across that it is, you know, it's Topa Topa. And, it's, right. and it's a, I can't believe we actually got the trademark on this. I thought Dos Aquis was going to fight us on it, but uh, they did. Oh, so, yeah. I, I guess it's not close enough. Not close enough, I guess. Yeah. That's perfect. Yeah. Well, I love I love uh, food and beer pairings, and this mm-hmm. is like the perfect taco beer. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I love tacos. Yeah, Taco Tuesday around here is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of our tap rooms have a taco option, and 
and we do see a little spike in, uh, in dust help <laughs> us on those days. So, yeah, it's it's fun. I think it's 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 an interesting category to see smaller breweries uh, breweries getting into. Mm-hmm. I think it rivals when you do a side by side with a Modelo or a Pacifico oh, or anything. Way better. It's way, it's it's better, and part of the reason is because it's just fresher. You yeah. know, you're going to see this beer, and this beer will hold up really really well, uh, both in the can and on draft. But it's great to see it um, to to see it getting out there. So, well, and you can it. You don't put it in a clear bottle. Yeah, exactly. That helps yeah. too. <laughs> Um, going back to the, the history a little bit, yep. how were you able to uh, rip Casey away from Stone? It seems like a pretty sweet job if you're a brewer. Yeah, you know, I think Stone, uh, there's, there's a large um, network of Stone brewers who have who've moved on mm-hmm. um, now. And I think part of the reason is, one, because of that constant growth there, that, that can become tiresome. Sure. Um, but two, I think brewers are are fiercely independent in, in, in a sense, and they're, they always... I think all, most brewers get into it thinking someday they want to be in charge and, and a brewmaster. Yeah. So, um, you know, Casey got the opportunity at a fairly young age uh, to come join us. He understood the vision that we had for up here. You know, I met him when the project was planned for San Diego, but then the life came about. My wife and I ended up moving up here because she got a new uh, job that she wanted to take. And Casey uh, went to UCSB up oh. here and he's from Santa Inez area. So he knows the area. So he knew the area and he understood the opportunity. Because when I first moved here, like for a millisecond, I thought maybe the brewery dream was a little bit dead. Um, but it just turned out that this was the best place for us that we could have ever started. Yeah. And so quickly we've become a little bit of an OG brewery here <laughs> uh, because the brewery scene exploded because it had the same demographics. It had the same uh, of every successful craft beer scene this had it all it just didn't have any brewery it had very few breweries at that point it was a good opportunity and and uh, i think he saw that so yeah. um that and you know he got immediate ownership in a business to to co-found with with us so um that, that was a pretty cool opportunity yeah so. how involved are you with like the recipe creation the brewing that sort of thing i know casey's the brewer and and, and you're the the decision maker but uh yeah no, i think you get, it's, to get your hands dirty um you know on recipe cre- creation stuff to be honest now i'm not involved at all um i think there's ideation that comes from our structure where we come up with an idea of something that we want to do um and we all discuss that together but uh, i have the most talented brew crew in i think in the industry i mean they are just creative intelligent they know how to get it done and they uh come up with some really fun beers that kind of fit within the parameters of who we see ourselves as a brewery and Casey does an incredible job of that of kind of reining the ideas in and executing them in a fashion that we think screams topa topa so early days like I think when we came up with our original lineup and stuff I was involved but it was more on Casey pushing me to become a better taster and a better (laughs) descriptor of because I would, I would always say, like, oh, I just really like that beer. And yeah. He would always push me, like, what do you like about it? Right. Do, you, do you like that little note of stone fruit? Do you like the aroma on it? Do you like the mouthfeel? Like, and so I've had to learn over the years, and Casey's been a huge conduit for me to, to learn how to uh, appropriately taste a beer and approach sure. it and, and then translate that to, into making our own thing. I imagine as the brewer, it's not helpful when you just go, it's really good. Yeah. No, like, but they, why is it good? Because it's good. They hate that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, what about it? The yeah. beer. I think uh, Casey's key one is smooth. He hates when people say so. it's like smooth. <laughs> that was smooth. It's like, what does that even mean? Like right. it's like, so, uh, you know, and I think most of the time descriptors like that, like smooth to me from our experience in the tap room too, it, it's, um, it means that I think it translates to that people just don't like bitterness. And mm, so if it doesn't have that sense. bitter bite at the end, they'll be like, oh, that's really smooth. I'm like, okay, I kind of get where they're yeah. coming from, but Easy let's educate them on like on like how to better describe that. Yeah, yeah. That, that probably comes out from, uh, you know, all the super hoppy West Coast yeah. that we're talking about earlier. I mean... Back then, there was nothing smooth about those beers. No. So now it's like, oh, this no. is smooth. This is easy to drink. I could crush a couple of these. 100%. And people, the the tasting culture here in Ventura, in particular Ventura County and the greater region, it's so interesting to me how how it's affected by, um, at first, the lack of breweries and now the, the plethora of them. Yeah. Um, and we've, we've already seen it. I mean, when we first opened people didn't get it like they would come in they were like wait so i get a flight and you don't serve food and like what what really happens here and um now with so many of us but you're not a bar yeah exactly we've we've built this like really cool vibrant culture here in ventura county and santa barbara county so um that 
that I get excited about that every day and, and that, that keeps us, keeps us coming and want to, uh, want to make the best beer out there and we all push each other. So it's, it's a really fun scene. Yeah. Well, speaking of the best beer, let's move on. Cause this is, uh, one of my favorites. Casey's Kolsch. Yeah. This came out of our brewer series. Um, Casey's Kolsch. We use Kolsch yeast obviously, and it's just a really well executed. It's one of my favorite beers. It's got a little kind of like honey note to it. That's mm-hmm. really fun. Casey made this when he was the first brewer series we ever, we ever did. This is when we had transitioned into this new facility here from our old one on, on Thompson Boulevard. We actually finally had the opportunity to make something other than Chief because <laughs> for a while there we were just making Chief Peak like as much as we could, right. um, <laughs> trying to keep up, to keep up with demand. And so this was the first play of our brewer series to just go on draft at the tap rooms. And yeah, it's fantastic beer. It's named after a brewmaster. I don't think we'll yeah. ever change the name. <laughs> it probably will remain on draft until. I mean, this one could earn its way into a can for sure. It would be fun in a can, but. We already have dose kind of out there in a can, so this one I love it on draft as a treat. If you come visit us at our tap rooms, I, I love I love Kolsch's. They're not done enough. I don't think not a lot of people do Kolsch. I love Kolsch. I yep. love this one. Just like you said, a little bit of sweetness. Yep. But it's so crisp and so clean. You yep. could just pound these all day. This would be another great boat beer if it was absolutely, canned. absolutely. And, and Casey's Casey's got an an affinity for taking a simple style and kind of putting his little spin on it. This beer does really well in competition too, so I wouldn't be surprised to see it spike a medal one of these days. We it's gotten really close. It's a fun beer, and um, yeah, something we're super proud of. We've also, you know, it stays alive because we use uh, that Kolsch yeast in, in a couple other products, which is a product of our brewery staff and and Casey and his team are always looking for efficiencies and how we can operate. So if they can you know reuse a, a, a yeast pitch uh over and over again and get the most out of it that that makes us more efficient as a, yeah. as a company and as a brewery so um that's kind of why we always have it on now because that cold yeast lives in a few other beers i like that that's awesome yeah you sort of touched on a little bit moving over from the original spot to here and not having to just do batches and batches of chief peak it, it felt like all of a sudden you guys just blew up like we had the little spot downtown yeah. and then all of a sudden we're everywhere how was how'd that process go of expanding, picking out a new building to brew yeah. in, all that stuff? Casey and I still maintain to this day that we think our brewery on Thompson was perhaps like, I, I think we produced as much beer out of that little facility as you could, as anyone possibly could. <laughs> it was about a four thousand foot uh, square foot uh, brew floor, which at the time we thought was big when we first moved right. in, and very quickly uh, by year two we were maxed out and we were producing. Right around 5,000 barrels, 5,500 barrels um, a year out of Thompson. And about 90% of that was Chief Peak. um, (laughs) And it was entirely on draft. Uh, We didn't have a canning line. We didn't have the opportunity to have a canning line there. I love that place. I mean, we we beat it to death, though. (laughs) That building would have fallen down if we just kept doing that production there. Um, It just wasn't set up for for that level. It would have been a great brew pub. Um, But... So yeah, the transition to here started probably about almost the planning for it started about three years before we actually opened um, this new facility here at Colt Street because you have to get your finances in order, you have to sure. um, do a lot of planning, then you have to find a building. Uh, we went through a fairly extensive building search. We looked at buildings in Oxnard, we looked at buildings in uh, Goleta, we looked at a number here in Ventura, and we're super happy that we got to stay here. Um, for a minute, we thought yeah. we found one in Oxnard that we were going to move to, but the city of Ventura really wanted us to stay, and and uh, and this building that we end up here is um, it was formerly Patagonia's distribution warehouse. Oh. Uh, so this was a build to suit for Patagonia in the '80s. They then moved their operations to Reno. Then Decker's Corporation was in here as a distribution warehouse, and this building had sat empty for about seven or eight years. Okay. And we uh, came in, met the landlord negotiated to take about a third of it because the whole building was the only option and we didn't need oh. <laughs> that much space. This was about twice as much space as we were looking at in other locations, but because the building had been empty for so long, we got a, a, a very good deal on yeah. it. And so we were able to kind of for a similar monthly cost to the business, <laughs> we got a lot more space. So yeah. we have room to grow uh, here. We don't need to grow, which is nice. Sometimes yeah. when you step into a much larger facility, you have to grow. This enabled us to open up those a few more tap rooms as well as expand our distribution network, which was good. And cans, the first cans of Topa Topa ever came out of this facility. Oh, nice. So that was good. It's been a lot of work. Casey in particular 
took this job and then you know leaned on his team uh justin our lead brewer in particular uh as well as uh, some of our other brewers joseph and graham to to continue the production at thompson while we built this place out oh sure and so then that transition and flavor matching and all that i mean it, it was a huge project and we're glad that it's done and that uh <laughs> and we finished it i mean literally not that long before covid right hit. so it was like thank God we have this, had this facility with, um, with a canning line and the ability to still make and distribute our beer while we were closed for what it was like 138 days out of a calendar year. So that this thing saved us in a way. Well, and you have this huge, gorgeous beer garden too, which uh, I'm sure was not a part of the search as much as the building itself was. And the backyard almost sealed it. Two things we looked for were ceiling height so we could fit in the size tanks that we wanted to, uh, because we have a couple 175 barrel tanks back there. And then the backyard, when we walked out, this was just a big, like, lawn. Patagonia employees, they used to play soccer out here on their <laughs> breaks. So we transformed it into a drought-tolerant beer garden. And, um, yeah, it was – people look at it and they think, like, oh, you built this for COVID. And I was like, no, <laughs> this was actually planned. We did we did most of the work ourselves with the help of some uh, local nonprofits. So we've got some really talented people on our staff to, to who came up with the design for out here. We built a cool outdoor bar and a mm-hmm. shipping container. So – yeah, it's fun, and it's our headquarters. It, at first, it didn't really feel like home, but now it feels like home, and, and we're, we couldn't be happier to be here. Yeah, I love this space. We came here for a, a can pickup just in cool. the middle of COVID, yeah. right as things were starting to open up, yeah. and we were just going to pick up cans and leave because we weren't quite yeah. there yet. And we walked up like, oh, shit, we can sit wherever we want. Yeah. Like We're not within you know 20 feet of the yeah. next person, and, and I'm sure that had nothing to do with COVID, just the way it was designed, and it was it was perfect. Yeah, it felt good for COVID, and yeah. when, we, when we bought the brew house that we have here, we case you know i got to go over to germany and travel around and when you hit their beer gardens and the big outdoor spaces that they have it just yeah. uh, you know they'll turn a town square into a, a beer garden <laughs> and there wasn't really anything like this in in our region and no, we were talking about it before we started recording mm-hmm. like the weather here is perfect so you know you should drink yeah. outside i say it all the time we're in california what's wrong with you get yeah. outside yeah. yeah um all right let's Let's move on to the next one. I'm excited to... Yeah, so the next one is a permanent taproom beer called Tux. It's our nitro milk stout. So this beer we brewed once in thinking we were just going to brew it once, and then people loved it so much that we decided to keep it on as a permanent taproom beer. Oh, we're going to get the train we to are get the train. It's better than Baby Shark. <laughs> <laughs> there was a rule for a little while that we had to kibosh that you had to finish your beer that was in your hand when the train went by oh, but that was becoming very uh <laughs> very problematic so we 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 knew we nixed that one but luckily uh, these are tasters yeah but yeah so tux is is really nice it's got a crazy creamy mouthfeel it actually has a pretty awesome aroma on it we use whole vanilla beans from Ethi- ethiopian vanilla beans in this and cacao nibs and a diversified malt bill uh to give us a ton of ton of flavor you know people drink with their eyes so they look at this and they think it's a really like uh, thick, heavy beer, but this mm-hmm. is actually one of the more drinkable beers we have. Yeah, you can drink this all day if you want. I love, I love this beer. It's got a little like glazed donut kind of flavor to it. <laughs> Cake batter. Yeah, uh, it's just sweet, decadent, but still drinkable. Well, and, and Casey's favorite word. It's very smooth. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you get on the nose. You get the vanilla and a little bit of roastiness. Yeah, and then the flavor. You get the vanilla. You get a lot of chocolate, a little roasty. And uh, was it meant to be brewed as a nitro, or was that the plan from the beginning? Yeah. Yeah, this one was always intended for nitro. So um, that's where, you know, I think having it on nitro allows you to taste the complexity in this beer. Mm-hmm. There's a lot going on. Um, and, you know, carbonation beats up your palate quite a, quite a bit. So this one, it still gives a pretty awesome aroma when you bring it to your face. Yeah. To be able to taste that diversity of that, that roastiness of the malt bill and then that creaminess from the vanilla and then a little bit of that cacao nib to give that, that extra level of sweetness. We do use lactose sugar in mm-hmm. this as well, so that adds some sweetness. But this is a crowd favorite. People really love this beer, and I would love to put this beer in a can yeah, um, yeah. as a seasonal, like, wintertime kind of release. But um, we don't have that equipment yet, uh, but that's something we'll, we'll look at in the future. And it's one of the, I'm full uh, disclosure, not a huge fan of nitros. It's one of the nitros that I enjoy drinking. Yeah. A lot of times beers that weren't meant to be put on nitro, they just kind of— yeah fall flat do it for gimmicky yeah exactly and this is not one of this is really good yeah it's designed for it and again it it just allows your palate to kind of taste the complexity that's going on in the beer because there's a lot going on here yeah that's for sure you touched on this a little bit earlier but uh you guys really seem to stick to more like the classic styles at topa what's what's your focus when it comes to beer making 
So, like, I think we started out especially with a mission to just, I used to always use the term, like, beer-flavored beer, and um, <laughs> we, we've we never really chased the trends. I mean, as evidence, but we were pretty late to the whole hazy IPA thing, and, and yeah, that, was, that was intentional, yeah. and we just wanted to figure it out and be sure to make something that kind of fit our, what we like. So, we, we, we're always going to be a little... Um, intentional with how we design beers we we love and kind of have reverence for the the folks who came before us the elders of the industry <laughs> and we don't want to we don't want to step on their toes now some of that came from the fact that we were fortunate enough in the early days to have kind of a, a breadwinner a, a flagship beer which many breweries don't sure um especially in this day and age um so with with us having to brew as much chief peak as possible we wanted to make beers that could diversify our tasting room board and really, you know, satisfy the full breadth of beer drinkers out there just yeah. who come to our places. So a little bit of it is intentional. A little bit of it was reactionary, just like what we could mm-hmm. um, make. Now you're starting to see some more experimental stuff now that we have this facility and we have some tank space um, to, to, to make sort of more off-the-wall things. <laughs> and, but I think even some of our wildest and craziest beers – still are executed in a fashion where they kind of fit into, you know, we're not putting literal cake batter in beers or we're not putting, you know, <laughs> like you. some of the, the tortilla chips and like what, what we actually, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's gotten kind of, kind of wild and, and we just, we like to stick what we do. And, and some of, some of our, our more recent special releases are, are, you know, they're getting, they're getting out there, but I think they're executed really well mm. and executed with balance. I always say, make me a beer that I can have that I want to have two of, and that's that's really important from from my perspective. And I know from the brew crew's perspective, that's kind of kind of what guides us. Yeah, I, I just had uh, a pickle beer, and I did not want two of those. Yeah. that was yeah. that was dicey. Um, what would you say as far as beer? What, what would you say uh, sets you apart from other breweries in the area? Now that it's you know taken off, there's there's a ton of breweries around here. Mm-hmm. What what makes you stand out? Consistency. I like that. Yeah, that's something that um, comes with repetition mm-hmm. and comes with time. Um, I know even myself as an early craft beer consumer, uh, I used to always see breweries growing, and I can even hear myself saying it, where, oh, their beer used to be so good. No, it's, <laughs> but it's our goal is consistency yeah. and quality, and as we've grown, and now we have like the lab results to prove it. <laughs> Our beer's just gotten better. Yeah. It's gotten better and better and better. And that that's a challenge of a growing brewery. But um, our, our team does an incredible job keeping our, our beers extremely consistent. I think that's what sets us apart. I think the biggest challenge is scaling up. Yeah. Breweries would get a little bigger and then they'd scale up and all of a sudden it was not the same that it used to be. I, I, scaling scaling's definitely, I mean, it's super hard. And then yeah. I think you're also, when you transition, like when we transition from Thompson Boulevard where all of our beer was served on draft and the burn rate was so high that like you were getting chief peak that was normally like two weeks old or less, you know? And as you grow, you you need to figure out a way to, to keep your quality up, to make sure that that chief tastes like two week chief at 35 (laughs) days at 45 days. Yeah. And beer's a, beer's a product of there. It definitely starts falling off especially ipas so we've really focused on trying to keep our beer in in the market as fresh as possible that comes with planning that comes with execution on the brew floor it comes with your sales teams doing their job so it's really a team effort and um we try our best when when we get a little over our skis on something we try and we try and correct it and make sure that the the beer that you're having whether it's from a can or from a pint you know we have really good control here in the tap room but once you send your beer out into the wild you have less control (laughs) we want to make sure that it's as good as it can be yeah uh and you you Touched on some of the hoppy stuff. Let's uh, move our way onto a hoppy yeah, beer. Yeah, absolutely. We'll start with our Level Line, our Pale Ale. This is a core brand for us. Uh, a little fun fact about Level Line is that it's actually the oldest recipe in the book. I absolutely love this beer, and right now, especially, it's been. I think we might be in a good run of Centennial, which we use a heavy dose of uh, in this beer because it's just popping right now. And execution-wise, the guys have been able to brew it a lot more, yeah. um, which which has helped. Yeah, Level Line was our oldest recipe. Casey actually wrote it in college, kind of his ode to Pale 31 from uh, Firestone. Sure, which we is, all miss and remember. Yeah, and... which is Casey's favorite brewery. So, um, yeah, it's a really, really, really fun beer. We use all sea hops, all American-grown hops, so just has a really almost like a lemon hard candy note lemongrass note a little bit of woodsiness to it 
we use a little bit of a diversified malt bill here to give it a, almost a slight hint of caramel color mm-hmm. to it. But it's, um, you talk food pairings. If I get pizza, mm-hmm. I want a level line. It's yeah. so good. And then you can even go in a direction of like uh, one of our gals here is in charge of training and, and she trains a lot of our staff on recommending food pairings. And like you can even go like with it and get like a lemon lemongrass curry or mm. something like that with this and it'd be really good. So, uh, but yeah, this is a fantastic beer. Pale ales, they're just like tough right now, but I love them. And it's uh, one of the one of the taglines for this beer is it's a California pale ale for a California way of life. And <laughs> that's kind of what we think. Like I think yeah. of this beer when I'm going to the mountains or if I'm going out to Mammoth and going hiking or fishing, going out to Lake Casitas to go fishing. Like this is, this that's the beer I want to drink. So. Yeah. You know, on the nose, as much as you get the hops, you also smell some of that caramel malt in mm-hmm. there too, a little sweetness on the nose. Yeah. Um, but it's yeah. nice as it that, I mean we like our beer served really cold, but from a tasting perspective, it's actually a good evidence of a quality beer is when it starts to warm up a little bit yeah. and you're not tasting off flavors. That means it's, it's really good. So yeah, these have been sitting here for uh, 39 minutes now. Yeah. So still nice. <laughs> yeah. Still, still, nice. still really good. But yeah, I, I love level line. I would love to see it, um, it grow its presence in, in the, in the yeah. market. I mean, I feel like if we called it an IPA, we kind of hop it like an IPA. It's a, <laughs> it's pretty aggressively hopped for a pale ale, but they're all late additions. So you don't have that crazy bitterness. There's no crystal malt in here so it's um right. it's it's our interpretation of what a uh, a pale ale should be and i love pale pales are are probably my favorite i it's nice getting something that's a little lighter a little little lower on the abv you yep. can have a couple of them still drive home whatever it is and uh i just love a good crushable yet hoppy yeah. beer. yeah and to go to that trend of you know less hop bitterness and more hop flavor i mean when i drink this beer i just get a huge dose of just flavor you know yeah. it's that it's that that lemongrass that woodsiness it's just like it's a really really fun beer and now i want some curry yeah <laughs> um it seems like at least locally it seems like uh, hazies are starting to to calm down a little bit and, mm-hmm. and classic styles are starting to be cool again yeah. as we were saying earlier with lagers uh do you see this happening and, and is it a good thing is it yeah, I think. Are you happy for it? <laughs> I, I, I'm always rooting for a little bit of re- return to normalcy or yeah. return to sanity. Um, you know, the whole like glitter beer movement, oh, all this stuff. I was like, all right, this has got to stop. For us, and I think for for the brewers um, who are really the engine behind this thing, we love seeing more traditional styles executed well, mm-hmm. and having the ability to actually do that is pretty fun. So, like pale ale is a perfect example. I would love to see that. I would love to see there be a resurgence in pale because yeah. I think it's a great drinkable style that doesn't crush you. It doesn't hit you over the head with anything. It's just like, it's just a good beer. Yeah. Again, for us, we design, particularly our core brands, they're designed for like experiences that you would have here in the region. And again, for me, that's my like, if I'm going fishing beer, if right. I'm going up camping on Pine Mountain, I want that, I want level line with me sitting around a campfire or doing yard work. I want a level line when I'm done. So that's, that's kind of, that's kind of where we live. Yeah. Uh, now that you have the space, what about sour beers? Yeah, we we have a sour beer room here that we have not yet activated. Um, <laughs> so we're we're planning to start a very small um, sour production aspect of our company. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think we're going to shoot for the moon and do any sort of scale. We really just want to satisfy that need in our tap rooms mm-hmm. and maybe do some really small kind of bottle releases and stuff. Sure. But we're excited about it. We have the space here that's segregated from our main production floor uh, that we have the ability to do it. Another, it was another attractive piece of this building. You know, sour beer production is a lot of like hurry up and wait. Right. Um, so I think... <laughs> Worse than lagers. Yeah, we're going to we're gonna double... Right now that space is, is slotted to be a private event space because mm. uh, we're getting approached with this large beer garden and everything by for a lot of people for private events. So. Sure. And I think visiting some of our friends at, um, you know, at Allagash and at New Belgium and these places, they've done a really good job of, you know, sour beer is kind of an art and it's kind of a, it's a slow moving art, but you can also like, you can have a bunch of fooders and barrels in there and they look gorgeous and you could, you could also have a wedding in there because you're not in there producing every day. Right. That's sort of our plan and uh, we'll get there. It's just a question. COVID put the brakes on a lot of what we needed to do and wanted to do for this facility. Um, so we're making the best of it and, and we will, we will get there eventually. Yeah. yeah. Well, you bring up COVID. Um, that was my next question on the list. How has COVID changed? Other than obvious things, you got to clean, you got to wear masks. Everybody knows that. How has it changed the way you operate um, and distribute and market and all that stuff? I mean, COVID was not only personally, but for the business, it, it was the biggest challenge I think we've ever faced or hopefully we ever will face. Yeah. Um, 
there was not a good time for COVID and a, a global pandemic to hit anyone, <laughs> but for a company that had just kind of stepped into this bigger footprint, right. it was a really bad time right. for us. So um, we, and I'm forever grateful and and um, and thankful for my team for like pivoting and figuring out how to get through it. Mm-hmm. Um, we, I think it taught us a lot about efficiency and how we need to operate efficiently. And then we took the opportunities that were in front of us, the limited opportunities during COVID right. and we ran with it. So we, we increased our can sales by, you know, a few hundred percent. Um, sure. And, and just secured as much off premise sales as possible. Cause we needed every dollar um, to, to stay alive uh, throughout it with our, with our five taproom network closed, essentially, right. you know, our highest margin product was just, gone and and even our second highest (laughs) margin product draft beer was just gone overnight and it you know it it stopped and so super proud of the team to do that so it taught us a lot about how to be adaptable Mm -hmm. and to make decisions not only just to survive but that will also hopefully set you up for success uh, when things open back up yeah i bet it was nice having that candy line it was yeah Thank God. <laughs> I, I truthfully don't think we would have made it through yeah. uh, without increasing. I mean, we had to we had to raise some capital to survive, so we did that. But it was it, all, everything that we did was a team effort, and um, yeah, I couldn't be more proud of the team. We came out okay. Uh, it, last right. year hurt a lot, I'm sure, and uh, but we're excited to see things trending in the right direction, and and just hopeful that we can hold on and have a at least balanced fall and winter. I hope it doesn't get worse yeah. again, but um, yeah, we're, we're, we're doing our best. Yeah. Not yeah. to go from COVID to beer. <laughs> no. Let's try the next one here. Well, before we even jump into this one, yeah. we do have a couple of fun projects. Uh, when you talk about sour beer, while our, our full, our full sour production isn't there, we have done, we did one last year called Vintner Solstice that got us really excited. Yeah, really good. And so we're doing another version of that twice this year where we pick uh, a winery, Carhartt Vineyard, and we mm. partner with them and we use some of their grape must and, and kind of leftover uh, stuff from, from when they're pressing their grapes. And then we partner with a, a brewery that has a sour program for, to get some lacto and get it in here and safely do a kettle sour yeah. and um, do it in our own way. The last one came out great, so we're excited about that. We're going to have a dual release, um, one coming in the fall and then another one coming in the spring Nice uh, for those. So to be announced who we're partnering <laughs> with, but uh, it's going to be fun. And, and I've, I don't think I've seen Casey as excited about a project in, in a while, so that he's super, super hyped on it. And we think that that whole um, style of beer uh, can be a way to, you know, combat some of the people that were losing to seltzer and those oh, sorts yeah. of things say hey this is another this is another option uh for you that that kind of maybe satisfies that 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 thing yeah so, my wife couldn't get enough of the the one last year yeah we came back multiple times for well, cans and growlers and uh, i think it's slotted for release in november so it's, right. it's gonna be really good she'll yeah. she'll be very excited yeah so yeah this one uh we have our our solitude series so this is a fun one if you're a frequent um visitor to our tap rooms it's a solitude series. It's a rotating single hop IPA. So I talked a little bit before about like our love affair with hops, and this mm-hmm. is this is our lab that we get to play with. So uh, YMA is a super super fun hop that that we we dig. We've used it uh, I think a couple times in a different beer, but we've never done it in a single hop, and it's um, super fun. And solitude series is a just basically just designed with a stripped down malt bill. This is the IPA that I think we would have opened <laughs> with if we were in San Diego, like sure. just a, a straight up pale malt yeah tons of hops has that color yeah and yeah so but up here we felt like chief was a, a little more a little more well well suited so yeah i love a good single hop ipa it's fun to learn hop profiles that way yeah absolutely and, and we that's literally what we use it as so you know a lot of these hops like the hops that were in the tie-dye in the sky that we tasted first both of those hops we've done single hop beers with so it's it's truly our way because the best way you can sniff a hop you can hold it in your hands you can crush it you can throw it in your mouth if you want (laughs) but but, uh the best way to to know what it tastes like is to make a beer with it so that's this is like our rotating lab series and um if you're if you're into super fresh hoppy um beers then when you come to one one of our tap rooms order the single hop because i can guarantee you it's it's less than 30 days old because uh, those beers don't last long and that's how we keep it we're just constantly rotating it so there's a new hop and we've done the the gamut 
on this this series from you know i think uh sriracha ace always sticks out to me <laughs> as a hop that we use it tastes like dill yeah and i personally really thought it was rad some people hate it some people <laughs> loved it um and then we've done we've done some of the classics you know the simcoe the eldorado um so we we tend to we don't contract for these hops we just kind of find them on the spot and whatever whatever looks fun we'll, we'll go try it and, and a lot of a lot of them don't even have a name yet so yeah it's um it's it's kind of fun that is fun do you have uh, like a pilot system or are you guys still using thompson for pilot or? no so we we removed the brewing system from thompson um so all of our pilot batches like this are simply um they're usually single turns okay. uh, so it's about 30 barrels of beer that, that we'll get and we do have some 30 barrel fermenters so anything that's intended just for our tap rooms we'll, we'll go into one of those usually okay sometimes and we'll do 60 barrels of it if we if we feel like it's really gonna, excited it's about crank. it yeah. yeah so what's your uh your production annual production versus thompson uh, so when we left Thompson, we were just over 5,000 barrels. Um, we're on pace this year uh, to do probably 14 or 15,000, wow. somewhere in there, maybe a little less. Um, just kind of depends on a lot of things. I mean, yeah. last year we had that same goal and it didn't get it. <laughs> I'm so sure, yeah. this year we're trying to get it. But um, yeah, what, what's nice about our business model is that we are, since we're, we're a little bit diversified, we're not entirely uh, dependent on wholesale, although that's a huge piece of what we do but with five tap rooms you know we we have a little bit of margin to work with to try and keep keep things going so it, this year if we sniff fourteen we we'll be stoked and um uh for next year we're going to set our goals and go try and get them and hopefully have some stability in the marketplace to, to go do so yeah um but man wiser than me uh said to me once or i heard him presenting at a craft beer conference that every brewery kind of has their natural size and for us i think there's still some meat on the bone here locally and mm-hmm. I, i'm very confident in the local market and then I think LA is a good opportunity for us to grow and expand to. So I don't see our beer going too far away. And I think the 50 state strategy is just dead. Um, So I think for us, if if we can push over the next five years to get to that 20,000, 25,000 barrel mark, we'll be a really, a really nice company and, and set up to be around for a long time. Yeah. That sounds like a nice, uh, even number to shoot for. Yeah. I want to make sure we, we talk about you guys support environmental causes as a dollar of every pint goes to environmental charities talk about that for a little bit yeah so it's it's not a dollar of every pint that would be nice for, for oh, those charities or, but or it's something <laughs> from every pint Sorry. yeah no we're we're one percent for the planet one percent yeah i knew i got the one from somewhere yeah the one was accurate so um one percent for the planet it was something that we did from from you know we did it in year one uh where we committed to giving one percent of sales to environmental nonprofits. we are all active outdoor people. Um, yeah. Our brand's kind of built around that. I, I think the best time to enjoy beer, you've heard me say it a lot of times, like a beach day or yeah. uh, fishing or whatever. Beer's better outside. Yeah, none of that happens if we don't take care of uh, Mother Earth. So we um, committed to doing it. It's been really fun and, and interesting. It's a fun way to kind of help people understand kind of why we're here and not just what we do. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm a firm believer that people buy by why you make something, not what you make. That's a that's kind of a fun piece of the puzzle for us. And one percent of the planet's been a great partner. We encourage every brewery to join because the more <laughs> we do, the the better better the planet's going to be. And it's also been fun to to engage with a number of just local nonprofits. The uh, you know in Ohio, the Ohio Valley Land Conservancy does great work. I know I live in Ohio, so I'm hiking on their trails all the time. <laughs> so if we can support them through some monetary donations, that's great. Here in Ventura, we have the Ventura Land Trust does a great job. Uh, preserving the hillsides from mm-hmm. having too many houses on them. You know, each tap room kind of is lined up with a couple that we that we try and uh, try and support. And at the end of the year, we're able to hopefully present them a nice big check. So, as a consumer, you can be trusted. You can be confident that when you do buy our beer on the shelf at Whole Foods or Trader Joe's or anything, a portion of that sale is going to you know preserve the things that hopefully you like to do as well alongside mm-hmm. us. And uh, and so yeah, it's been a great partnership for us. That's awesome. I love that. All right, we have two more beers and. Two more questions. Cool. So let's space these out. What's uh, what's next on tap here? Next, we're going to try our Spectro, which nice. is, we talked a little bit about that we were a little late to the, right. to the hazy game. We really wanted to figure it out. And that's, truth be told, at first I was like, I don't really like this thing. And I was drinking hazies, trying to understand them and and trying to find bits and pieces of them that I, that I liked. And I think at the initial push for the big just hop flavor that comes with the hazy, 
also came, you know, the, the kind of like mouthfeel that just like, it felt like my teeth were wearing sweaters when I was done <laughs> drinking them. Like it just stayed with you so long. Whereas, you know, one of Topo's trademark styles, I think is that little, it snaps off your palate and you want another sip. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, we challenged the team to come up with a, a hazy beer that I wanted to have two of, and uh, the whole crew wanted to have two of, and, <laughs> and Spectre is the result, and it's one of the beers I'm actually most proud of in our portfolio. I think it's an incredibly executed beer. We use a bunch of new school hops in this. It's got a really like tropical kind of bouquet to it. It's just crushable. One of, one of the differences, uh, and this might be trade secret, but I think a lot of people know it now, we, <laughs> we use Kolsch yeast in it, okay. um, which gives it that, dries it out a little bit, mm-hmm. gives it that snappiness. You also still retain some of that like ester uh, right. flavor that, that people want from like a London 3 or something. So I dig this beer, and it's um, it's become a lot of people's go-to, so we're, we're stoked on it. Yeah, it, uh, it's not thick. You know, like those New yeah. England beers. Yeah. It's very crushable. You do get a lot of that, that tropical juice up front. And yep. it just finishes nice with a little bit of bitterness on the end and, yeah, and keeps it coming back for more. It's a very drinkable hazy, which yeah. I think was our goal. And again, what we were trying to kind of, what, what, what the end result of the program, that's what we wanted. We wanted it to be something where you wanted to reach for a second one. And, and they accomplished it. And like I said, they we didn't give the brew crew much time to figure this out. <laughs> I think we brewed it twice before it hit cans wow so it was and, and one of those batches came out clear i remember Whoops. it was really good but we just <laughs> we'd had a made it we, we spend all our time making beer as clear as possible and then right. all of a sudden we had to figure out how to make it hazy but they figured it out and and this beer i think is also one of the ones that's just gotten better and better and better because now we're starting yeah. to brew it more and that's that's how our brew team works is they're going to take something and they're going to write a recipe for it, and then they're going to consistently tweak it for the better and make the beer better, more shelf-stable. One of the nice things about Spectra that we've found in our in our testing is that it really holds up well. Mm. I mean, the, this beer tastes just as good at 60-plus days as it does at 10 days old. Yeah. So it's um, A lot of hazies can't say that. No, and that's that's there's a lot of science behind that, but it, it, it's a cool thing. And, yeah. and again, when you're throwing a beer in a can and throwing it out to grocery stores or grocery outlets or Trader Joe's, you want to be sure that it's uh, going to hold up. Yeah. So. What would you do with the uh, batch that came out clear? We named it Claro and served it in the tap. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, I think that's what we call it, Claro. And it was, a, it was awesome. It was a great beer. It was this, like, crazy West Coast IPA with zero bitterness, and, <laughs> but it just came out clear. We figured it out, and there's some tricks to the trade, but Spectro doesn't come out clear anymore. It's, uh, it's more of a our, – our haze – on it is very light i mean you can see it it's, yeah it's a it's a light haze it's not that thick haze and it's entirely driven by protein malts um so it's not yeast derived haze yeah it's fantastic and I, man i haven't had a spectra in a while it's tasting really good right now actually <laughs> it is drinking really nice right now mm-hmm. um you guys just did a collaboration well, you did a bunch of collaborations mm-hmm. but you just did one with radiant yep. you had that uh, is this even kolsch which yeah. was uh, really fun dark kolsch dark yeah. kolsch yeah. we were not we, we poured it out of the can we're like what the hell yeah. is this uh, it was really fun do you guys have any collaborations coming up do you have any dream collaborations you're hoping to i definitely have my dream list but um yeah we have a, a full slot for for next year uh probably the most the closest one is um on that beer wine hybrid beer the, our, our kettle mm-hmm. sour that's going to be a triple collaboration with the carhartt vineyard and then uh, we're bringing in the rare barrel um to, to brew with us and couldn't be more excited we love what those guys do and and um that we have some really odd connections with them like <laughs> the head brewer at rare barrel his mom's actually our landlord in ojai because he grew up in ojai and <laughs> All right. like these weird connections that just only happen in the beer industry yeah and so yeah we're really excited to bring them in and and um and learn from them that's that's one of the things we try and try and take from any collab is the opportunity to learn something that we're not as good at yeah um no matter who we collab with uh, especially when we invite them here to our facility like w- when we go out it's a little less it's more just like let's go out and have fun but uh we also try and do the home and home like if we're gonna brew with you you come brew here and, yeah and so rare barrel is pretty much dream collab <laughs> that's one that's I pretty mean, awesome i think our biggest dream one that we have already accomplished was firestone walker i mean yeah. we we learned so beer. much and that was they helped us kind of craft our hazy uh, approach and that was a great beer. It was a pale ale and 
super, super fun. And just to see the professionalism and the commitment to quality that they have. And when Dustin and the crew came down, we learned a lot there. I learned a ton on the flip side of it, of how to sell mm. the beer in the market and really get it lined up because they have such a uniform structure that they work in. And, sure. and um, so that, that was a dream one. And then I got my one that I know will happen someday, but I really want to get Allagash Brewing Company out here uh, to brew with us. I've been fortunate enough to become friends with the founder there and and he's he's a good buddy of mine now so we're um that's going to be one that will happen and uh maybe it'll be around when we launch our sour program and do something fun with them there but um, awesome yeah that would be my dream one if i if i could pick one in the industry (laughs) nice that's a big one yeah Uh, all right before we wrap things up let's talk about this last beer here well this is chief peak so um started it all this has started it all so we might as well end with it but yeah chief chief um is it's my favorite beer that we make my taproom staff know like when i walk in they probably are pouring me a chief <laughs> if i order something else they kind of check my temperature are you okay um but yeah this beer i mean this 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 beer has been the conduit to our success yeah and um it stays super super fresh because the velocity on it is incredible uh it's dry hopped very heavily with galaxy simcoe and citra three of our favorite hops uh, Galaxy comes from Tasmania, so it has some ties to some of the same flavors that tie dye in the sky that we started with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just an incredibly executed beer and um, has just gotten better and better and better. But Casey's design on this, I think, was incredibly intelligent for where this market was when we first started. I love it. I, I, I can have Chief every day, and <laughs> I'm not sick of it. And I guarantee you I drink probably more Chief Peak than any person <laughs> on the planet. Maybe a few of our tasting room regulars rival me, but it's just really good. So I, I, I love this beer, and it's named after a peak in the Topatopa Mountain Range mm-hmm. um, that you can see from all over Ventura County. So we knew going in that we really wanted a beer we saw an opportunity to make a fresh local IPA that was well-branded that could hopefully um, help us grow as a company, and, and Chief did it. So I'm yeah. thankful for it every day, and then I, I just really love it. Yeah, it's delicious. It's it's the you know really a perfect example of what a West Coast IPA should be, uh, especially nowadays. It's balanced, yep. like we were talking about. It's not super bitter. It's got enough bitterness to keep you coming back yep. for more. And just, it always makes me think of pizza, which is probably because yeah. I first had it with pizza, That's but good. Uh, yeah. I think it goes really well with some toppers. You know, it's got some, like, um, one of the genius things Casey did, there's a little bit of, like, white wheat in, in the recipe and just a little bit of a sweetness to the malt backbone. Mm-hmm. Um, so it does have a fairly diversified malt bill, but it's just, that stands up to the amount of hops in the, that we put in this beer. Because yeah. we, we, for a commercially widely distributed beer, there's a ton of hops in this so we've had to work to like drive our our hop contracts down price to make it to make make it work and um but we haven't changed it i mean it's the same beer and it's uh dry hopped the same way it always has been i mean we've made slight tweaks here and there but it's not like there's less hops in it we'll just use a little bit more or less of one one varietal sure um so we're like i think we have like the second biggest galaxy hop contract in the country oh really i think behind treehouse so we're uh we're, <laughs> we're up there because we make a lot of chief peak and couldn't be more thankful for the people drinking it and keeping it fresh because yeah. that's really to me that's the key to its success is that we we hold our distributors feet to the fire on keeping it very fresh and yeah. you know we don't want shelf turds out there and we do our best <laughs> to find them if, if they do but with chief it doesn't happen as often because we get such gracious support from from the people who buy the beer. Yeah, I'm glad to be part of that. Uh, yeah, well, thank <laughs> that you. term thank right you. there. Yeah. Uh, one thing I like to do is I always like to wrap up interviews with some rapid fire questions. Mm-hmm. So first thing you can think of, don't think about it too long. Yeah. What's the first beer you ever drink? Genesee Cream Ale. What's the first beer you ever brewed? Uh, we called it Cool Waters Pale Ale. Okay. Yeah. Do you have a favorite style to brew? Um. I, I don't brew that much anymore, but uh, if I Back did, I thought Palo. Yeah, okay. Palo was fun. It was it was accessible and easy. Cans or bottles? Cans. Favorite beer food pairing? Chief and Spencer McKenzie's fish tacos. Oof. Yeah. It's Wednesday night. What are you drinking? Wednesdays, I will have a Chief because I pick up my farm box from our Thompson location, <laughs> and then... I'm a big, once I get home, I probably am having a glass of white wine. I actually really love white wine. <laughs> what is your beer-cation destination? Um, Belgium. What is your favorite outside, so non-Topa, beer? It's probably still Swami's from Peaceport. I That's love that one. beer. So good. Yeah. Uh, favorite non-beer hobby? Uh, surfing. Favorite guilty pleasure beer? 
guilty pleasure beer. That's a hard one. <laughs> um, a lot of people come at us with like, oh, I love Coors Light, you know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> I have no guilt about drinking a Coors. Um, <laughs> I think it would be, right now, it's our San Juan Splash Club. It's like the craziest beer we've ever made. So, All right. Yeah. And what's your favorite word or slang for being drunk? Tossed. Nice. Yeah. Jack, thank you so much for, for hanging out and for sharing all these fantastic beers. Uh, you guys, topatopa.beer on the webs, at topatopa brewing on the socials, and uh, HQ, 4880 Colt Street in Ventura. Of course, there's downtown Ventura at 104 East Thompson. Uh, Ojai, if you guys are up in Ojai, 345, which, awesome little tap room up yeah, there. Yeah, that's a fun one. Uh, Ojai Avenue, 120 Santa Barbara Street. If you're hanging out in Santa Barbara, that's the funk zone, right? That's in the funk zone, yep. And finally, the newest one is on Ventura Boulevard in Camarillo at 2024, which uh, I was just at the other day. Good pizza there. Some good pizza. Yeah. <laughs> good wings, too. Yeah, so, very good. Uh, thank you, sir. Thanks thanks for hanging out. Thanks thank, for your time. Thank you guys so much. This is a super fun to, to finally get on with you guys and have, have a good time and have a few beers. So we Absolutely. appreciate coming out. Yeah, cheers, buddy. Yep, cheers. Thanks one last time to Jack. I was really looking forward to this interview. I've been trying to get him and Topa on the show for a hot minute now, and I'm so glad we can make it happen. Like I said in the interview, I sort of fanboy out for Topa Topa. They're so good here locally in Ventura County that's here in Southern California. So anyways, if you're ever in the area, make sure you go to Topa Topa. They've got locations all over the county. Topatopa.beer, like we said, go check them out. Find us at craftbeerrepublic.com and on the socials Craft Beer Republic. And a quick shout out to my friend Deb, aka One Hop Mess on the gram, for being my photographer slash assistant slash moral support that day. She came with me, took some pictures, and uh, was there to support the cause. So thank you very much to Deb. Thank you guys for listening. I hope everyone is staying very well hydrated. And on that note, good night, everybody.